It sounds like the taxonomy and what you're talking about is, is a way of providing information for investors to know where to put their, their money. At what point does a recommendation become a matter of regulation? And can you tell us a little bit about the difference sure. between the two? Yeah. So I think if we take a, a slightly broader perspective, uh, for many years we've, we've been hearing a lot about uh, CSR, Corporate Sustainable Responsibility, and that has been very, that's been voluntarily, the, a voluntary regime basically. So uh, companies have, have uh, provided a lot of CSR information, but that has primarily been driven by the communications and public relations departments. Right. Uh, because <laughs> okay. that has basically been marketing. Right. Uh, and what we're seeing now is a shift to, uh, to sustainability and to ESG. Uh, and that those rules are becoming much more clearly defined and are becoming mandatory. Mm -hmm. So um, if companies really want to, to, to work with this agenda and they're increasingly forced to, they need to integrate it into their core processes. So in the financial sector, they need to incorporate ESG into their investment decision processes, in their risk control, in, in all the internal processes that they have as a financial company and, and fundamentally integrated into how they do business. Theo, thank you so much for being with us. It's great seeing you again. And thanks for uh, taking time to answer some questions. Likewise, it's so good to be back. I'm so excited. Great. So let's just start by hearing a little bit about what you do, what's your role. Uh, regulation is not something that we get to hear about very often. So please enlighten us a little bit about what it is that you do. Sure, Chris. Yeah, so I'm heading our sustainable finance uh, team in the Danish Financial Supervisory Authority. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we built up this team really because uh, the whole sustainability agenda, the regulation of sustainability in the financial sector that has really taken off uh, over the past uh, couple of years. And we were seeing a lot of regulation coming into, into force these days um, that, that affects basically the whole financial sector across Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really wanted to take a, a, a broad perspective of that, looking across the different parts of the financial sector and ensure that, that we're working in a harmonized way with, uh, with this, this new agenda. This is very cross-cutting, uh, both in terms of what, what types of companies are being regulated, but also the interlinkages between, say, climate change, uh, sustainability, social issues and financial regulation. Theo, we, most people go about their lives and we only get to hear about these things in passing. Maybe just very superficially, we, we all only hear the sound bites from the media. But can you explain to us in your own words what sustainability is and why is it important for society? Sure, that's a really good question. So I think um, the most important thing to, to look at here, the foundation for this, are the two landmark agreements that have been uh, agreed to universally, basically. And this is the uh, SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, and the Paris Agreement. And together, these really form the basis for um, a more sustainable and, and just and safe world. Um, so if you take these two uh, agreements together, they, they speak fundamentally about both people and planet. So we need to develop a, a system, a society that, that works for, for people, that lifts people out of poverty. Um, and give them access to uh, uh, to services and and let them uh, 
prosper and develop. At the same time, we need an economic model and a societal model that takes into account climate change and that doesn't limit uh, our global ability uh, uh, to, to prosper uh, uh, and as a human race to, to continue living. So we have a, a planet that, that is inhabitable for future generations. And this is the, ch the challenge we're looking at. Okay, so uh, I think that's really interesting because in, when we hear sustainability, we usually equate that to climate change. But what you're telling us is that it's much broader than that. It includes people, it includes uh, justice, uh, equality, uh, dealing with poverty, uh, basically all the scope of the, the United Nations SDGs, right? Yeah. I think this is really fundamental. I don't think we can find truly global solutions to the climate uh, crisis without also in including a, a perspective on, on the people that are, are living on this planet. It's, it's quite fundamental. Mm -hmm. um, we cannot tell uh, the global south that they can't develop any further, that they can't uh, uh, burn any fossil fuels and, and not develop their societies. Mm -hmm. uh, they have aspirations as well. So we need to find a solution where, where these people can prosper uh, and, and, and the whole world needs to come, come together around that. Mm. So, so I think any solution that is sustainable in the long term, that's a global solution, needs to really look at, at what are the societal impacts of the policies that we're developing. Right, okay. And one of the terms that we hear very often said in relation to sustainability is net zero. Yeah. What is net zero? That's a good question. So, uh, basically, what, what science tells us is that um, the world is warming uh, in proportion to the level of, of CO2 emissions um, uh, on, a, on a basically on a one-to-one -one scale. Mm -hmm. And in order to get uh, uh, global warming down or stabilized, we need to, to stop emitting uh, CO2. We also know that some sectors, some industrial processes will be very hard uh, to, uh, uh, to completely decarbonize uh, over the coming decades. Mm. So in order to stabilize the climate and, and stop uh, uh, more CO2 from getting into the atmosphere, we also need to suck out CO2 from the atmosphere. So net zero basically means that uh, we're sucking out as much CO2 uh, from the atmosphere as we're putting into it. And that needs to balance quite in, 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 in not too distant the future. Right, so in, in theory, the, the production of, of carbon emissions through the economy could in itself be, be, be kept steadily if we came up with solutions that could actually suck out more and more of that carbon that's being produced. Exactly, yeah. Right. So there's there are massive investments going into carbon capture and storage, as it's called. Uh, what we lack in currently are solutions that are really truly scalable. Right. Um, there are a lot of interesting solutions out there, but but they are still limited in scale. Mm. Um, and but but that's that's a key quest. Uh, so we need to decarbonize on the one side, but we also need to really figure out how to to suck CO2 out of the atmosphere. Right. Okay. So then, what I like to try to understand is, what are the the tools that you have as a regulator yeah. to help companies in this transition journey from current business activities towards sustainable business activities? Yes, well, that's a really good question too. So, um, from January uh, this year, uh, the taxonomy regulation went into force. And the taxonomy, uh, uh, 
there you have to, to take the old dictum that the, the more boring something sounds in, in EU language, the more important it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so taxonomy sounds really boring and it's really important. Very important. Okay. So the taxonomy basically uh, it's basically a scientifically based framework uh, for deciding what is environmentally and, 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 and uh, climate related uh, sustainable activities. So what is what is good enough? Right. What is good enough in, uh, in in terms of how we produce uh, uh, things in the industrial sector, for example? And and we're supervising uh, uh, how the financial sector uh, engages and and what the products that they uh, uh, sell to customers and to investors and, and how taxonomy rely, uh, aligned they are. So, so that's, that's a key feature for us. But, but it goes beyond the financial sector. The taxonomy is, is a tool for, for all of Europe to really look closely and, and honestly at how good are we really. Mm -hmm. If we want to live up to Paris mm -hmm. uh, and limit global warming to between one and a half and two degrees, how do we need to conduct our business? Okay. And that's basically what the, the taxonomy helps guide and, and, and gives us some, some, some specific answers to that. Are we in? Are we out? Is it okay? Is it good enough? I think that's a key tool for helping the transition. We need to transition all of our economic sectors to become more uh, environmentally sustainable. And, and none of the sectors, the main sectors in, 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 in today's world are sustainable to a very large extent. So, so everything needs to change over the coming decades. Okay, so the question I have now is that we seem to now be hearing a lot about this and there's obviously a collective consciousness about the problem uh, being, being propagated, right? There's more awareness of the problem. But it seems that a lot of the things that we talk about are plain common sense. So I think from, from a consumer perspective, it seems like it's the civil duty to, to make sure that what you do doesn't, doesn't harm the planet, right? That you recycle, that you, whatever you, you do whatever you can to optimize the consumption of resources. And from a business perspective, a lot of this sounds like, well, yeah, it's, it makes business, sound business sense, right? That, that you need to be sustainable in your business practices because otherwise in the long run you won't have a business to run. So why do we need regulation for something that seems to be common sense? Yeah, true. So as you say, I think luckily uh, most people are very aware of these challenges and uh, are, are indeed adapting their behavior and their consumption patterns. Um, however, I do think, and I'm pretty convinced in fact, that we need uh, systemic change. It, it, it cannot just rely on, on individual action. Uh, so, so you might know that the the term uh, personal foot, uh, carbon footprint was actually coined by BP Oil uh, back in 2005, mm -hmm. uh, and and they are obviously trying to responsibilize the individual uh, while at the same time continuing at, at a systemic level uh, at a global level to 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 sell fossil fuels. So I think that's a good example of why we need to look at this uh, systemically from a, a, a societal perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be very difficult as well for consumers and investors to really know what they're buying and whether it's truly sustainable. I mean, 
I'm working in the financial sector, with the financial sector, obviously, if you want to invest in, in sustainable financial products, if, if you're an ordinary investor, it can be very difficult to, to figure out what is truly sustainable and what is just marketing itself as sustainable or 5% more sustainable than the, the average. Whereas what we need is, 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 is to move uh, to a completely different mindset. Right. And there we need regulation to really tell, tell us what is in and what is out. I'm no expert on, on climate change. Luckily, there are some, some experts out there saying, well, like, good. Uh, 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 the measurement is, 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 uh, for, uh, is, is here. The goal is here. The, the, the best practice, that's, that's over here. That's this amount of CO2 emissions per ton produced of, of a given uh, product. We can't all be uh, 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 climate experts. So, so we really need uh, some, some scientifically based regulation to tell us how we need to act, what the boundaries are for our actions. Okay, so, so then the question I have is, it, it sounds like the taxonomy and what you're talking about is, is a way of providing information for investors to know where to put their, their money. At what point does a recommendation become a matter of regulation? And can you tell us a little bit about the difference sure. between the two? Yeah. So I think if we take a, a slightly broader perspective, uh, for many years we've, we've been hearing a lot about uh, CSR, Corporate Sustainable Responsibility, and that has been very, that's been voluntarily, the, a voluntary regime basically. So uh, companies have, have uh, provided a lot of CSR information, but that has primarily been driven by the communications and public relations departments. Right. Uh, because <laughs> okay. that has basically been marketing. Right. Uh, and what we're seeing now is a shift to, uh, to sustainability and to ESG. Uh, and that, those rules are becoming much more clearly defined and are becoming mandatory. Mm -hmm. So um, if companies really want to, to, to work with this agenda and they're increasingly forced to, they need to integrate it into their core processes. So in the financial sector, they need to incorporate ESG into their investment decision processes, in their risk control, in, in all the internal processes that they have as a financial company and, and fundamentally integrated into how they do business. Right. Uh, and that's, that's a shift. We're still seeing the type of regulation that is uh, heavy on, say, disclosures. You need to explain clearly what you're doing and have an honest conversation with your investors about it. Mm -hmm. It is not... Uh, uh, demanding that you take a specific uh, action or invest in specific products, so so it's still more on the disclosure side. Mm. But the disclosure side, it's it's being been firmed up very much compared to the the previous CSR regime. Right, right, okay. And so I think I think the what we've seen is that sometimes whenever a regulation comes in, there's there's moves in in, in behavior and in consuming habits. Uh, and that causes an externality. Yeah. Um, do you have any particular concerns about the potential externalities that the imposition of regulation in the, in Europe could have? Um, I don't. I'm thinking maybe uh, in, the, in the in the global economy where where companies say, well, here I'm heavily regulated. I'm actually going to go over there where regulations are more lax, and I can still produce my and manufacture my products yeah. without so much burden of regulatory compliance. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good question. That's an important perspective uh, to have as, as policymakers and regulators. Uh, I think 
In terms of the capital markets, we're seeing a quite a uniform movement in, in, in the direction of increased ESG regulation. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we're also seeing is that, that some companies are either spinning off their most uh, polluting uh, parts, uh, selling them to third parties, mm -hmm. uh, thereby limiting their scope one and two emissions and making them scope three emissions. Mm -hmm. And we're also seeing, especially in the fossil fuel sector, that companies are going private, or parts of the companies are going private. So uh, I'd say there's a, there's a fair bit of, uh, of action in terms of decarbonizing financial markets, the capital markets. But what we are seeing is that private hedge funds are picking up uh, a lot of activity and a lot of companies in, say, fossil fuels. Uh, and right now they're making a good profit given the high oil prices and gas prices. Right. So that's concerning. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's very yeah, concerning. Yeah. And, and, and we need to make sure uh, that we're not uh, uh, just uh, supporting uh, uh, companies that are in sectors that are, not, uh, that are by definition not very CO2 intensive. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to support the transition. So, so if we want to move to a carbon neutral uh, uh, state, we need to transform energy systems. The way we produce uh, and use energy, that's 80% of the story. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and part of that takes place in, in advanced economies, but uh, an even greater part takes place in the global south, also right. with future growth in mind. So we need to, to, to allocate resources at a global level in a way that supports that transition, away from coal, away from oil, eventually away from gas mm -hmm. uh, towards uh, sustainable production patterns and consumption patterns. Right. Um, and so is there, we talk about systemic change. Does the entire world economy need to be on board for a systemic change to actually be effective? Or could it be undermined by players, by players that say, well, we're, not, we're not interested in that? I think change needs to start somewhere, mm -hmm. and the power of ideas uh, is, is pretty strong. So I think it's important to be a front runner. I think it's important to show the way forward and to to uh, really showcase how we can scale up sustainable solutions. So obviously Denmark has a tiny fraction of the global uh, uh, of global CO2 emissions, mm -hmm. but it still matters what we do because if we can, as a small uh, advanced economy, if we can manage that transition, if we can show the world that we can manage to have uh, economic growth and sharply decarbonize our entire economy, including uh, hard to abate sectors, that can be an inspiration for others, uh, and, and that'll be important in the the uh, climate negotiations. Plus, the solutions that we uh, find here can be exported and, and used uh, in other places to leapfrog technologies. The developing, the developing world doesn't need to go through all the technological steps that we did. Mm. Uh, they don't need to experience uh, or to experiment with windmills for 40 years. They can just take the latest uh, edition. The same with solar, same with uh, energy efficiency in, 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 in other areas. Mm. So I think it's important to, to, have, the, uh, uh, to have some front runners. Right, so this whole idea of leading by example, right? Exactly. Right. Uh, and obviously we need uh, most major economies, most heavy polluters to come around. Yes, that's obvious. We, we do need global solutions. Mm. It is not enough that, that Europe comes up with solutions. We account for 8 or 9% of global CO2 emissions. Obviously, we need the, uh, 
the other 90%. Yeah. Uh, so, so it needs to be scale up, it needs to be global, but there's no contradiction between uh, moving at a fast pace in, in, in a small country uh, uh, and also having global ambitions. Right, right, okay. Um, now, uh, last time we, we met in September 2021, you shared with us some, some sobering uh, metrics about how uh, sustainability goals were, were, were progressing in Europe. Um, I think it's fair to say that, that we were behind with what's expected so far. Has anything changed in the past six months? Um, so that's, that's a good question. There's, as you say, there's a lot of uh, hype about sustainability and everyone is uh, showcasing how sustainable and climate friendly they are. And, and yet when you look at the numbers, we're seeing few investments going into uh, uh, actual uh, climate change projects uh, and, and we're seeing indeed very uh, low uh, numbers in terms of how, how, how environmentally sustainable are business practices today mm -hmm. uh, compared to, say, the EU taxonomy. And uh, the picture is still the same, right. uh, unfortunately. In terms of, of financial products, uh, there's a, there's been an explosion in financial products that promote themselves as being uh, sustainable uh, to some degree. Um, and when you look a little bit closer, uh, it turns out that that a lot of them are not very sustainable indeed. Right. Uh, a large analytics firm uh, called Morningstar. Uh, recently scrubbed 1,000 uh, investment funds in Europe from the list of sustainable <laughs> funds. Uh, that They are claiming to be somewhat sustainable, mm -hmm. but in reality, when you're looking at them, Morningstar says they aren't sustainable in any meaningful way. Right. So I think that, that says a little bit about the, the problem, mm -hmm. often referred to as, as greenwashing, as a catch-all phrase. Mm -hmm. But, but I think we are having some, some genuine issues here. And sometimes I compare an investment product to, uh, to a car. It's shiny on the outside, uh, but especially if in, the, in the used car market, uh, uh, you don't necessarily know very much what's inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think there's an important role here for the financial sector to play in, in, in opening the hood and, and, and really explaining what's going on in there mm -hmm. and, and showing uh, with, with a larger degree of honesty uh, what it is that people are buying. Because in reality, yeah. uh, uh, most of the economy and most of the financial products aren't very sustainable. Mm. And by the way, those two things go hand in hand. We need that transition to take place. But obviously, uh, from a, f uh, a financial perspective, you, you also can't uh, uh, develop uh, truly sustainable financial products if there aren't any sustainable assets to buy out there. Right. <laughs> so that's a chicken and egg problem here yeah. as well. Right, that makes sense. Okay, and can, in, in your view, can, how can fintech contribute towards sustainability? I think there's some important uh, contributions from, from the fintech uh, community that, that can be really made. Um, so uh, the first is data, mm -hmm. the availability and crunching of data. Uh, a common problem for the financial sector is, uh, is, is a lack of adequate, reliable uh, data uh, that is uh, served at, at the right time. That's, you know, it's not delayed by, by several years mm -hmm. because they, can't, they don't have the necessary uh, data streams to really uh, make effective and timely uh, investments. So, and, and that data comes from different sources. So, so uh, data collection, aggregation of data is important and crunching of data is important. So I think that's, that's one obvious area where FinTech can play uh, an important role. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and, and obviously, as we've seen, there's a democratization uh, of, um, of uh, 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 financial markets that, that where fintech can also, also play a role in, in giving uh, people an, an ability to, to understand better what, what is actually going on, what are they actually investing in, mm -hmm. uh, and, and have them uh, get a better view of that, which I think is also very helpful because it, it strengthens their ability to have a, a conversation and, and to, to decide what, what they want to invest in. Right. And how can fintech contribute to regulation, to your role as a regulator? Is there, is there an angle to it? I don't know, maybe mm -hmm. regtech or the, the sort of mm -hmm. trends that we see? Yeah. I mean, fintech has transformed the financial uh, sector uh, from the inside out. Uh, it, it's become very digital, uh, very uh, fast-paced and very innovations driven. Uh, and, and obviously from a regulator side, we also uh, uh, look at those trends and our supervision is becoming much more data driven. Mm -hmm. So we're building uh, data management systems, we're collecting much more data, we're looking at, at how we can crunch that data better uh, in terms of machine learning, in terms of uh, building natural language processing capabilities, etc. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, um, as a regulator, we, we're not necessarily cutting edge, uh, but, <laughs> right. but we're definitely uh, implementing, integrating a, a lot of these technologies into the way that we conduct our supervision. Okay, and uh, so you touched on something that's really, really interesting. I think that because regulation usually tends to follow innovation, right? Uh, so as a regulator, um, how do you keep on top of all the innovation that's happening in financial services? And what are the main challenges that you're experiencing keeping, keeping up? That's hugely difficult. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I spend a, we spend a significant uh, portion of our time really uh, 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 looking into technological developments. Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously, we, we always have a few steps behind, uh, and I think that's, that's the way it should be. Um, but we are uh, developing IT capabilities. We are uh, participating in uh, events like the uh, uh, FinTech Week, uh, where we've been speaking uh, for the past couple of years. We've established the, the FinTech Lab, uh, where uh, FinTech companies can uh, come and explore different business opportunities in the financial sector. Mm -hmm. So I think we are uh, trying to adapt quite dynamically to, uh, to a, a more uh, uh, innovations-driven uh, uh, age. Right. All right, um, and just, just to close, the, the, the question I have for you is, in light of the challenges and perhaps the, the, the difficulties that we see in getting this all together, because it's, it's, a, it's a mammoth task, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's enormous. Are you optimistic? And yes, no, and, and why? I'm a, a cautious optimist. Uh -huh. uh, we are looking at, at uh, some uh, extremely important and, and hard to solve uh, questions. Mm -hmm. uh, I also uh, honestly believe that we are seeing a, a, a change in, in perspective from, from large parts of society. We are seeing that systemic change. Uh, people want uh, solutions that, that deliver also in the future. Uh, they, they, they honestly want to, to live their lives and invest in, in a way that that is truly sustainable, where we don't impede uh, future generations from uh, uh, living on this planet. Uh, so I think we are starting to see that, that systemic change that needs to happen. And there are, of course, generational aspects to it. Uh, younger people are more engaged, uh, and increasingly they have more voice. And, and I think they are being 
you know, making themselves being heard, uh, and and that is impacting decision making, regulation, the way market works, the way businesses uh, 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 conduct their their activities. So uh, let there be no doubt, there are huge challenges ahead. But I do think that if we all come together and work uh, put our, to put our minds to this, uh, we are able to to change the way we. We, we live our lives and, and the way we, we emit CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, so, so I think it is possible and, and there is still, there's still hope, absolutely. Well, with that, <laughs> Theo, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been really eye-opening hearing your perspective and getting a glimpse into your world, which most of us don't really usually have an opportunity to, to do. So thank you so much for spending time with us. Thanks for inviting me, it was a pleasure.